Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. Let's crack on. We've only got a short amount of time today because the, um, the kids are going to come back in about quarter to, so we're going to press on with a, a short talk around um, Come Holy Spirit, which is the um, which are next in our, our Vineyard Value series. If you missed any of these, they are on the website or podcast. You can grab them and listen to them, so I do recommend it. So far, we've looked at the history of the Vineyard, we've looked at Worship Kingdom, and last week, Chris did Everyone Gets to Play. In John 16, 7, Jesus said these words to his disciples. He said this, Bit of a bombshell. It is better for you that I go away. Now, can you imagine what the disciples felt when the, he said this to them? Shocked, I'd imagine, and a bit gutted because they had spent three years traveling around with him, enjoying the incredible privilege of seeing him minister, seeing the miracles, seeing his words, seeing the way he related to people. And suddenly he drops the bomb and says, it's better that I actually I go away. And you can imagine just the, just the impact on them of these words. Because Jesus was going to go and they would be left. They would be left without him. This incredible person who they'd given everything to, to be with. There was no one better than Jesus. Peter had said, you know, where can we go? You've got the words of life. There's no one else like you. And so they'd given everything up for him and he said, it's better that I go away. And Jesus tried to explain them to me. He said, if I go to the Father, then I send to you someone who's going to be with you forever. The Holy Spirit, the counsellor, the advocate, the comforter. This person can be with you, can be in you, can be where I can't be, can be everywhere at once. If I go to the Father, then the Holy Spirit will come. And it would be better that that happens. But you can imagine they weren't probably convinced by his words. And when they had to go for the trauma of his arrest, his trial, his crucifixion, you can imagine the state they were in. And yet three days later, Jesus rises from the dead and meets them and eats with them. And even says, put your hands in the wounds just to prove it's me. I'm not a ghost. I'm real. I'm back. I'm resurrected. I've come back. And just before he went to be with the Father, he said, you need to wait because the promised Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to be with you. And then it's incredible happening on the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. So these guys have been waiting expectantly, obediently, praying this prayer, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. And it's really important to recognise, guys, that this prayer didn't start a few years ago. It's not some sort of 21st century new thing. This prayer has been prayed by the church for hundreds of years. Come, Holy Spirit. It's been prayed from the earliest time in history right through to the present day. Come, Holy Spirit. And when we pray, come, Holy Spirit, when we pray that very simple prayer, you're in good company because hundreds and thousands of saints before you have prayed the same prayer. Lord, would you come? Would you presence yourself in our midst? Interestingly, on Mother's Day in 1980, John Wimber had invited a young man to speak at his meeting. And this man was called Lonnie Frisbee. Here he is. He was a hippie. 
He was part of what became known as the Jesus Movement in Southern California at that time. And John had invited him to come and speak at his evening meeting. And uh, Lonnie spoke. And then at the end, he stood up to minister. And he prayed a very simple prayer, three words. Guess what he prayed? Come, Holy Spirit. And as he prayed that very simple prayer, all heaven broke loose in that meeting. And the Holy Spirit descended, and it hit hundreds and hundreds of young people who had gathered to hear him speak. And it touched them, and it empowered them, and it propelled them out onto the streets. And they saw hundreds and thousands of people give their lives to Christ as they were touched by the power of the Spirit from this this simple guy who prayed this very simple prayer. And they saw miracles, they saw healings, they saw people delivered from addiction through this simple prayer of come, Holy Spirit. And there's a real belief in the Vineyard movement that when we take the gospel out onto the streets, the Holy Spirit goes with us. Wimber used to coin a phrase called power evangelism. When we speak the gospel, when we evangelize, the, the evangel is the good news, yeah? I know that word has kind of got hijacked over the years, but all evangelism is, is telling people the good news. Evangel is the good news. So when you evangelize, you tell someone the good news of Jesus. And the vineyard have believed over the years that when you tell people the good news of Jesus, then the Holy Spirit is right there with you. And he's not only bringing a sense of conviction, he's also bringing a demonstration of the kingdom that we talked about, the kingdom breaking in. So when you evangelize, when you tell someone the good news, the power is there to demonstrate the kingdom breaking in. So you can pray for the sick. You can pray for someone to be set free. You can pray for oppression to lift. You can pray for addictions to be broken. Power of evangelism, the spirit is right there, participating in the miraculous. So what does it mean when we say, come Holy Spirit? You'll hear that prayer prayed in some form or another in every vineyard church all over the world, probably every Sunday. Because there's an expectation that when you pray that prayer, you're inviting more of God's presence into the situation, into the room. A few uh, months ago, we looked at the, the person of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember the series we did, Knowing the Holy Spirit, last September? Encourage me. Yes. yes, you remember it well, don't you? If you didn't get it, you can go back and listen to it on the, on the web. But we did a whole series on the person of the Holy Spirit. And we said the Holy Spirit is not a force, not an impersonal force or a power. He's a person that we get to know, we get to come alongside, we get to do relationship with. He's the, probably the least understood person of the Trinity. We know God the Father, we know Jesus the Son, but we're less familiar with the person of the Holy Spirit. And when you give your yes to Jesus, when you choose to follow him, then the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you. The Bible says he's like a deposit. He guarantees the future of what's to come. God gives you a down payment of the fullness of heaven to come, the fullness of the kingdom, and he puts a deposit of his Holy Spirit into you. And you get to have the Holy Spirit living in you. You become what the Bible calls a living temple. Because the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you. Amen? The Spirit also assures us of God's presence, the Bible tells us in 1 John 4.13. It also enables us to speak to one another, it tells us in 1 Corinthians 12.18. And enables us to use the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2, all that section on the gifts there. And he empowers us to bring the gospel to other people. So the Spirit is a person who comes and dwells with us and in us. And it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus went about ministering 
He ministered through the power of the Spirit, as in Luke 5.17. The power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. And so the Spirit was on Jesus to be able to demonstrate the kingdom through healings and miracles. The Spirit also rested on Paul in a similar way and the other apostles who went around ministering in the power of the Spirit. And the vineyard believed that the Holy Spirit is just as active today as he was back in those days. And he's distributing the gifts amongst the church. We touched on this last week with Chris, with everyone gets to play. Those different gifts are on the screen. The Spirit, the dancing hand of God, comes and imparts those gifts to us and enables us to minister in the power of the Spirit. But what's important to recognise is when we say, come Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean to say the Spirit's not already here. It's not like we're saying, Holy Spirit, where are you? Will you please come? When we say, come Holy Spirit, what we're saying is we recognise, Spirit, you are here, but we want more of your presence. Yeah? We want more of you, God. We want more of your will, more of your presence, more of kingdom come to come into this situation, into this time. Now, Steve Nicholson, who you heard a few weeks ago, the pastor from Everson Vineyard, he says this. He says, Come Holy Spirit is a direct, bold request for the Spirit to do the work the Father wants to do in us and to be the fire that propels us out to do the work the Father wants to do through us. The words are not magic. We actually have to expect the Spirit to accept our invitation. Otherwise, it's a bit like standing inside our home saying, Come on in to someone who's standing outside but never actually opening the door. Yeah? So we can say, come Holy Spirit, all we want to, but if we don't expect and anticipate and make space for God to come and be present, and then it's highly unlikely anything's going to happen. Those words are not some sort of magic incantation that we say and expect the Spirit just to obey them. Yeah? It's not like we get a genie out of a bottle. When we say, come Holy Spirit, it's opening an invitation for God to come and do more of what he wants to do in our meetings. So when we open our hearts to him, when we open our meetings to him, and we say, come Holy Spirit, we're expecting him to come and presence himself with us. But it's a dangerous prayer to pray. Because when you pray, you're never quite sure what's going to happen. Anyone familiar with Aslan from C.S. Lewis, the Narnia stories? It says this about Aslan in those books. He says, he's good, but he's not tame. He's good, but he's not tame. And the Holy Spirit is good, but he's not tame. And so when we say, come Holy Spirit, well, all heaven can break out in our midst. And that can look like all sorts of things. Now, I'm sure some of you have been in meetings where things have got messy. Do you know why the Quakers were called the Quakers? Who's used to quake under the power of the Spirit. You wouldn't think it now if you met some Quakers, because they're quite reserved, but their name comes from the fact they used to pray, and they used to quake. Also called holy rollers, because something used to spin in the power of the Spirit as well. We've all been in meetings when the Spirit has broken out. Sometimes we look around and think, well, that's just someone acting up, that's someone giggling over there and just trying to get some attention, and someone over there shaking because they just want to shake. You know, but when God really turns up, things do break out. The Spirit can break out in powerful ways. And I've been in meetings, and maybe you've been in meetings, where the Spirit has broken out and delivered people, done deep emotional healing, brought deliverance. When we pray, come Holy Spirit, it's a risky prayer to pray because we're saying, God, will you come and deposit the fullness of who you are into, into this space? 
And when Jesus was out demonstrating the power of the Spirit as he went around doing miracles, it wouldn't have been tidy. It wouldn't have been sort of all boxed up. It would have been a little bit messy. And people have looked and thought, why is that? You know, why is that? And when the Spirit fell at Pentecost, they accused those who were speaking in tongues of being drunk, didn't they? You're all drunk, you drunkards. And Peter said, no, it's not that. It's the fact that the Spirit has fallen upon us. And there's power here, there's real power. So when we pray, come Holy Spirit, it's the prayer that we're never quite sure how God's going to answer. But he's good, Remember? I once heard someone say, you know, the Holy Spirit, you know, he's a respecter of persons. He won't do anything that, you know, you, you wouldn't be comfortable with. Have you read your Bibles? <laughs> you know, he wouldn't come and mess with our English reserve. Our God is a powerful God. He's a jealous God. He's a good God. But when he comes, he comes in power. and He, come and dem- he demonstrates that power, that goodness in powerful ways, and sometimes he has to get beyond our English reserve to do what he wants to do. Isn't it great to see God do things that we're powerless to do? Yeah? I mean, this only gets us so far, doesn't it? A warm room, decor, words, songs. But it's God who comes and does the stuff that we can't do. It's God who comes and sets us free. It's God who takes us into a greater revelation of who he is. It's God who propels us out. That's what happened to those young people back in the 80s, onto the streets to take the good news of the gospel. And what's central to Vineyard's understanding of the Holy Spirit is that we can grow in discerning the work of the Spirit. It's central to the Vineyard people that we can grow. We get better at seeing what the Spirit's doing. We get better at recognising where the Spirit's working. You might have heard me say occasionally, I can see the Spirit resting on people. And you might have thought, what is he talking about? I can't see anything on anybody. Well, the truth is, because I've been doing this quite a while now, I get, over the years, you get better at seeing what God is doing. You get better at seeing what the Holy Spirit looks like when he comes and begins to do his ministry. Humans are good at something called pattern recognition. Yeah? You know what that is? Right from a baby... Uh, as you grow, you build patterns and models in your head of things, yeah? So you get to know what a chair looks like or a tiger looks like or a cloud looks like. And so someone can show you a picture of something you think, oh, no, that is, that is a cloud, that is a tiger. You've got a pattern in your head. And humans are very good at this. We can, we can nuance things very, very well. We can spot the difference between things very, very easily because of the incredible brains that we have that store all these patterns in our head to make sense of life. It's much harder for computers. Much harder for computers to build up pattern recognition. Even with the best computers, they still struggle to build up the right patterns and be accurate about um, what they're seeing. Recently in the news, Google managed to fool a computer. Did you read this article? I'll show you a video. They wanted this AI, artificial intelligence, to recognise a banana. Okay? So let me just show you a video. So here's the AI. It's looking at the banana. It's saying, yes, it's a banana. It might be a slug, but no, it's definitely a banana. So, <laughs> so they put a picture of a toaster next to it. And no, no, it might be a toaster, but no, it's still definitely a banana. Okay? So banana's scoring pretty high here. It knows it's a banana. But then they put a mashed-up picture of all the bits of a toaster together. And look! It thinks it's a toaster. The AI automatically assumes that banana is now a toaster. This is good news. Because when the machines rise up in decades to come, 
and they come knocking at your front door, all you need to do is get one of those stickers, put it on your head, and the robot will assume you're a friendly toaster and move on. <laughs> so even with the best AI, the best artificial intelligence, it can still be fooled into thinking that a banana with a sticker next to it is a toaster. But we are much better than that. We have much better pattern recognition than even the best artificial intelligence has at the moment. And the good news is, the more we're around Holy Spirit ministry, the more we get to recognise what it looks like. The more you pray for somebody and you invite the Holy Spirit to rest upon them, the better you get at seeing what the Holy Spirit looks like when he's ministering. Do you believe me? Good. Because it's true. It's true. Now, we can never see physically the Holy Spirit. We can't see the Spirit. The Bible's very clear. Jesus says you can't see whether the wind blows. The Spirit's like the wind, the pneuma. But you can see the effect of the wind. And we can see the effect of the Spirit as we pray for people, as we invite God's (laughs) presence into meetings. And we get better at building up a pattern of what the Holy Spirit looks like when he's ministering. And you can grow in recognising the Holy Spirit. You can grow in hearing the voice of the Spirit. But you only get to do that as you exercise those muscles, as you practice inviting the Holy Spirit, as you practice ministering in the power of the Spirit. You'll get much better pattern recognition as you practice Holy Spirit ministry. We talked a couple of weeks ago about the meat being on the street, didn't we? We said Wimber believed that where the ministry mainly happened was out there, not in here. And if you take a risk and you pray for somebody out there, I think the Holy Spirit will come and back you up because the Holy Spirit is desperate to demonstrate the good news of Jesus and the kingdom to people. And the more we take risks and the more we step out, the better we get at recognising the ministry of the Spirit. But you don't get the stories unless you take the risks. Amen? We mentioned, didn't we, that faith is spelled R-I-S-K. We've said in the past, you know, you jump off the top board and on the way down, God fills the pool. Many of us would like him to fill the pool before we jumped, but no, he says, no, you jump, and I'll fill it. And that's just the nature of the kingdom. That's just the nature of Holy Spirit ministry. As we step out in faith, the Holy Spirit is right there with us, and we get much better at recognising the work of the Spirit. And Chris said last week that we all get to play, and that's amazing. There are are no qualifications, in a sense. You don't have to graduate to be a Holy Spirit minister. We can all cultivate an interior life. You can all spend time alone with Jesus, can't you? You don't need a a special qualification to do that. And you can all step out in faith when you get chance and the Holy Spirit nudges you. You can all do that. So we all get the chance to play. We all get the chance to minister in the power of the Spirit. All we have to do is believe that the Holy Spirit is working. We said a couple of weeks ago that the Father is always at work, didn't we? And we said, if we wake up every day and say, Father, where do you want me to help you? Where are you working? Where can I go and partner with you? That's a great prayer to pray. Regardless of what your day has in it, where can I help? Where can I support? Where can I partner with you? Thank you. (laughs) So come Holy Spirit. All it is, it's a declaration of trust. It's saying, God, we believe you're at work. We believe you're ministering. And we want more of that. We want to connect more with what you're doing, Lord. We want to see more of your spirit activity. It's making space for God. 
There's an old adage that says this, the word without the spirit and we dry up, the spirit without the word and we blow up, the word and the spirit together and we grow up. We have got a great tradition in this church of evangelical uh, trust and understanding in the word of God. And now we can grow in the ministry of the spirit. Because when the word and the spirit come together, there is real power. There's a real demonstration of the fullness of God's kingdom. And the people of the vineyard, they're committed to what are being called empowered evangelicals. He's taking the best of evangelical tradition and, and understanding of the word with the best of the Pentecostal power, and putting those two things together. And we become empowered evangelicals. We're people who believe in the word of God, but we also believe that God wants to get the job done to the power of his spirit. And that's what the vineyard is all about, this sense of come Holy Spirit, this belief that God wants to come and demonstrate his kingdom through his spirit. Thanks for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.